Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Uh, we have been on uh, quite, quite the journey looking through um, our Street Preacher series. Uh, we've looked at what the gospel is. We've uh, looked at living questionable lives with Mike Frost. We've looked at extended family on mission. We've looked at that principle of the people of peace with Tim P.S. We've looked at uh, time and place in the role of bringing good news with Tim Sorens from Seattle. We've looked at hell. We've looked at hospitality. We've looked at vocation and work. And now, uh, Today, I want to end in a strange place, uh, talking about signs and wonders and the miraculous in being and bringing good news. Um, it is a, an interesting topic and one we don't really talk about that much. Um, and I heard this story. Let me start with the story of exorcism, which is a, you know, always a good place to start. <laughs> um, I heard a story of a pastor just this week. He's a um, very bright, intellectual not weird pastor, you know, millennial guy in his, uh, you know, late thirties and his wife uh, for the last 15 to 20 years has had a chronic um, autoimmune style disease that she's been, you know, slowly losing control of her, her muscles. Uh, the doctors thought she had a brain tumor a couple of years ago and they were sort of readying to um, for her, for her to lose her life and working out, you know, what are they going to do? How's he going to live as a single parent? He's a pastor of a church. What's he going to do with the church? And how is he going to navigate all that? Um, and it turns out she didn't have a brain tumor, but um, one of their mentors came to them and, and asked them this question. Have you thought about generational curses? Is there, is there any generational curse on your family? And they're like, that is a, a load of, a load of wallop, you know, that, that doesn't even exist. Like I, I sort of have a concept for that, but that's kind of a very, you know, it's an ancient thing. Surely that's not a real thing. And um, a couple of years goes past and this story emerges from his wife's family. Um, and it's a story that's, that, that said that her great-grandmother, uh, Mexican, and she uh, was uh, married to... A, a Mexican diplomat. They had eight kids together. And after having their eighth child, um, which, you know, that's, that's an ordeal in itself, I'm sure. Um, they find out, she finds out that this guy is also married. He had been married previously and he put his previous wife into a um, mental institute. And this woman in the mental institute uh, found out that her husband remarried. And so she hired a shaman to put a curse. This is just the way the story goes to put a curse on this new wife, a generational curse that says every newborn, every firstborn daughter would either die young or be um, faced with serious sickness and illness. And I thought, okay, this is, this is interesting. And so they got out the family tree and the family map and they mapped all the firstborn daughters um, including, you know, their, their nieces, so the generation below them. And sure enough, every firstborn daughter in this family with eight kids, so there's, you know, lots of, lots of descendants, um, either 
died young in a car crash or, uh, you know, illness or was suffering some sort of chronic disease. Even their two uh, nieces had died young. Um, and so they think, well, maybe, maybe there's a thing, maybe there's something in this. Like they didn't really have a concept for this, but maybe there's something there. And so they're telling this story and they're like, okay, so like, what do we, what do we need to do now? Like, do we just Google exorcist on online? Like, how do we find someone that's, that like has some knowledge in this space, but isn't, isn't whacked out. Um, and through some mutual friends, they find someone and um, they have this time of prayer and fasting that this, this person comes and facilitates a uh, really godly kind of grounded person. And um, they sort of do some preparation of the room and she comes in and her, her face at this point is like, she, she had lost a lot of muscles in her uh, face and they pray for her and, and they go through and um, pray into those specific curses that they found. And he said, it's just the most insane thing that her face just came to life. And for the last 12 months, she's been completely pain-free. She's been uh, healed, um, which is incredible because she, she had been spending days in, in, on end in, in bed, not being able to do anything. And so um, this is a story that just sort of struck me and it challenges me. I don't know what a story like that does for you, but it reminds me that I don't have everything in control in my logic <laughs> and intellect that there is more going on in the world and all you need to do is read the gospels to see that to see that there is so much going on in the spiritual realm realm and i think we haven't been particularly good i haven't been particularly good at talking about the spiritual realities at work in our world spiritual just means non non-physical the parts of our reality that we that we can't see the parts that science can't necessarily explain to us even even physics you know shows us that when things are really big like a black hole or things are really small like there's a there's little particles called tachyons which they have seen but they they don't know how it how it it doesn't follow the law of physics in the way that it moves around there's so many so much stuff in our world that is unexplained the space between us the relational space is something about that that's kind of non-physical um, even our bodies, you know, you can take a heart, which is a, an incredible organ. You can take a brain, which is just magnificent, an eye, which is incredibly intricate, and a nervous system. And those things on their own are incredible. But there's something that happens when you put those things together, that it becomes a, a person more than the sum of its parts. There is something about consciousness. There's just something beyond what we can know and see. And we see all through the gospel, signs and wonders, miracles, unexplainable things, things that are, you know, uh, natural things that are accelerated or things that just kind of happen that point to a deeper reality in our world. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, the kingdom of God is not of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not of talk, but of power. Bill Johnson um, who's from Bethel, he says, the mind will never lead you into revival. The, the, the mind will never lead you into the restoration corridor that we want to see. The mind will never lead you into kingdom coming, heaven on earth. We can't strategize our way or market our way into those things. There is a reality to our world that I think we have to get better. I know I have to get better at 
wrestling with and opening myself up to? Why, why should we talk about this? Why in a series on evangelism should we talk about signs and wonders? I want to give you three reasons. Um, the first one is that I, I really think our, our culture is craving a deep spirituality. I think there is a deep openness to spirituality in our culture now more than I've ever sensed in, in my lifetime. And maybe that's just my perspective, but I don't know if you've sensed that as well. And what we've seen in Western society is that the more kind of affluent a society, the more money a society gets, the more post-Christian a society becomes. It's almost like this return to kind of pagan spiritual rituals you see kind of the rise of um crystals being charged by the moon and horoscopes and um talk of uh the universe and burning sage um there is like this this kind of movement towards seeing and opening ourselves up to spiritual things there's a deep searching uh for something more even um in in the medical world there's a lot of lot going on in the kind of experimentation and use of psychedelics, you know, MDMA and ayahuasca to, to create spiritual experiences for people in a kind of a controlled environment in order that they might have an experience that brings healing to, to trauma they've, they've experienced. And I just find that fascinating that um, this is kind of the medical world trying to elicit spiritual experiences for people. It's like we're searching for the kingdom without the king. It's like we're, we're trying to find Jesus through sort of kind of any avenue that we can, um, trying to find salvation and healing, uh, a mystical, spiritual experience in the hope that we would find deep healing, the miraculous would happen. And I just think this generation doesn't need any more content. We are, we've got more content than we've ever seen. Um, what we're really searching for is a profound and deep experience and encounter with something more. And so I, I think our culture craves spirituality. Um, Jesus expected signs and wonders. Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse one, he says, he, he called his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. This is Jesus sending out his disciples. Um, and you, if you follow Jesus, you are a disciple of Jesus. And some people say, well, that's just for the 12 apostles. Well, if you turn over to Acts chapter 6, there's a guy called Stephen. It says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Now, Stephen wasn't an apostle. He was uh, one of the dudes chosen to help facilitate the food pantry. Um, this wasn't just kind of for like the super apostles. This is for um ordinary followers of jesus signs and wonders jesus expected this jesus ministry was marked by ordinary things he, he traveled he walked he had dinner parties he was a tradie he spoke at public events um but it was also marked by the supernatural by the spiritual he healed people he cast out demons he multiplied bread he found coins for taxes in a fish's mouth and jesus lived expecting that his disciples would follow his example. Our culture craves spirituality. Jesus expects signs and wonders. And the early church lived it. We see this through church history, but we see it in, in the Bible as well. Acts chapter 14, this is, this is a story of the church. 
The same thing happened. There's lots of these stories. The same thing happened in Iconium, uh, Acts 14, verse 1 to 3. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. So they spoke, they were speaking with power, they were using their intellect. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord, and the Lord proved their message was true by giving, by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. You know, the early church was both deeply intellectual and it was marked by the movement and the spirit of God, by signs and wonders. They preached with power, they were intellectual, and they did miraculous signs and wonders. All you need to do is to, to read some of Paul's writings and know that he was, he was a smart man. He used, he used his intellect, but it was, it was um, marked by his presence, the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. There was one time Paul was speaking and uh, apparently it might've been a bit boring. I don't know, but um, one of the guys that was there fell asleep. He fell out of a window, second story window, and he died. And then Paul went down and raised him from the dead. Um, it's this like kind of tandem of like the intellectual and the spiritual. And it was the signs that Jesus granted those of his followers that authenticated the words that they were saying. Signs and wonders. Signs are just signs. They're not the thing. And sometimes in the church world, we've either, we've either downplayed the spiritual or we've, or we've become all about kind of the spiritual and the miraculous. But signs are just signs. They just point to something else. Uh, you know, we've got, we just got a sign out, this, out the front of the clam. It says the clam, but the sign is not the clam. The sign is just telling you that the clam is there. Um, and that's what signs and wonders do. They are, they are pointing to something else, a deeper reality. I know when, um, when Mel first became a Christian at the age of 20, um, she'd been going on a journey for a while, but there was a night that she made a decision to follow Jesus. And when I first met her, she was a smoker. She was a, she was, she was a, she was a rebel. Um, and that night that she chose to follow Jesus, her, her addiction was just broken. She just, it's just, she just didn't want a cigarette anymore. Um, and that was, that's like a sign and a wonder to me. And it was something that authenticated what was going on for her internally and for the, those around her. It's like a sign, a, a miracle that happened to authenticate what was happening, to authenticate the message, the story that she was living by. So our culture craves spirituality. Jesus expected it and the early church lived it. So then how, how should we go about thinking about this? How should we go about living this out? And I think over the last 50 years or so, um, churches has, have generally gone one of two ways. Um, this is an overgeneralization, but go with me here. Uh, churches have chosen become, to become less spiritual and more intellectual. I think probably in, in my experiences of churches, that's probably where I've found myself, or become more spiritual and less intellectual. Um, but I think the future of the church, the future of our church, is recapturing both the intellectual and the spiritual. Recapturing word and scripture and spirit. 
to be contemplative and to be charismatic. And I think when it comes to evangelism, bringing and being good news, I think, and this is a challenge to me more than anyone, that we must recapture our expectation that we would see signs and we would see wonders, that we would see these the miraculous happen to authenticate the words, the story that we live by. I believe the future church is one that leans into the spiritual and the mystical, not runs away from it. So how do we do that? Number one, we realize that we receive authority from Jesus. That same verse I read out before, but it's, it's seen all through the Gospels. In Matthew 10, Jesus says, Call these 12 disciples, his disciples together, and he gave them authority. He gave them spiritual authority to cast out evil spirits, heal every kind of disease and illness. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have authority, not because of your position, not because of how spiritual you are, but because of your relationship with Jesus. Our, our authority comes from our connection to Jesus. We receive authority from Jesus. Number two, we allow space for the spirit. And we actually ask the spirit. We create space in our lives. We create expectation in our heart. We pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit. And we actually believe that he will. We expect that he will. Jesus told us that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. That we would create space. We would have faith and boldness to ask the spirit to do something in our world, in our lives, in those of our friends and neighbors. We receive authority from Jesus. We create space for the Holy Spirit to move. And thirdly, we trust the Father with whatever the outcome. We trust the Father. We become mystics. That is, we become comfortable with the unknown. We become comfortable with not knowing how everything works. And sometimes we pray for healing and someone doesn't get healed. And I don't know how that works. I believe in healing. I believe in prophetic words and images for one another. I believe in the gifts of the spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues and the miraculous. I believe that there are demonic, evil and oppressive forces and strongholds in our culture that need to be cast out in our own hearts and need to be cast out. But it's, it's not a formula. And that's the thing that's hard about it, right? There's no like one step formula to casting out an evil spirit or to seeing someone healed, you know? Um, and, and that is what causes us to, to run away from it, right? Because we, we, we don't know the outcome. But I believe there are many signs and wonders to come in our community. It doesn't always have to be healing as well. You know, that job, that opportunity, that business idea, that social enterprise idea, that restoration of a marriage, that addiction broken, that trauma finding deep healing. I think part of the miraculous is having big dreams for the future, a, a why not attitude, an attitude that says, you know, I see that mountain, why can't it be moved? That we would be a people that step into the new and creativity and innovation and take bold risks. Signs and wonders and the miraculous. Why? Our culture craves it. Jesus expected it. The early church lived it. How? We realize we've got authority from Jesus. 
We create space for the spirit and we trust the father.